Well, hello and uh, welcome to another exciting edition of Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister from the Solar Centre for Public Christianity up in uh, Dundee uh, in Scotland. And I'm joined as ever by my co-host Christy Mayer from the other end of the country down in uh, down in London. Christy, how are you doing today? Doing all right, thank you. Ice pack on the standby. <laughs> ice pack on, yes, you were, you were alluding to this before the show began. So so what, why have you got an ice pack? What have you, what have you done? Been, been weightlifting, running marathons, kicking students? What's, uh, what's happened? It, it is a sports injury, I hasten to add, but <laughs> who knows what I've done, Andy? Who knows? It's, um, I don't think people really care. <laughs> I've done something. Oh, but it gives you credibility, you know. Oh gosh, I'm suffering today. I have a sports injury. That's right. Um, well, from sports injuries and ice packs, uh, let me introduce uh, the guest that we have today. We are delighted uh, to be joined today, coming uh, from the south coast, from Plymouth. Uh, we're joined by uh, Mark. Uh, Mark Oliver. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so good to be with you guys. Well, Mark, you're um, uh, you're the pastor of a uh, Plimstock Chapel. Uh, down uh, down there. Um, but I understand before you were a pastor of a church, you had an utterly, utterly different uh, career. What were you doing before you went into, into church ministry? Yeah, it was quite a dramatic change about five years ago because um, I grew up on a dairy farm, a family dairy farm. So spent all my life really up until I was just over 40 um, with cows every day. And uh, yeah, and that came to an end in 2015 before we moved on. Yeah, it is, I confess, tempting to ask, are there differences between sort of herding cows and herding Christians? That would be entirely inappropriate question that could probably land both of us in all kinds of trouble. Um, but, you know, the question that does interest me um, is that I think I found it fascinating that you've lived in those two worlds. You've been in the world of, 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 of business and, and, and of work and, and I suppose, for want of a better word, a secular kind of context. Now you're a pastor of a church in terms of you know evangelism and sharing your faith and kind of getting the gospel out there what are some of the differences what are some of the similarities or were there lessons that you learned when you were in the world of farming and the world of work that now really help you as you're a, a pastor of a, of a church how do those two worlds kind of interact yeah it's a great question i i do look back and i'm quite glad that i had that time in sort of the real world with um everyday people doing a, a job like that um so i'm i'm really grateful for the experiences of that and what i learned along the way um and it is different i mean for for a start today as soon as people know i'm a pastor of a church obviously they're not shocked if i want to talk about faith or church and things like that on the farm uh, and that world, it was probably a slower process of building relationships with people in order to be able to share faith. Um, some of it I got right and some I, I got wrong, to be honest, Andy. Um, I didn't yeah, didn't get it right all the time in sharing faith. Uh, but I think like a lot of life, it is an attitude that says, when I got it right, when I wanted to be talking about Christ, you tend to find opportunities. And in farming, you meet a lot of people. It's probably quite an unevangelized area of our society in a way. Um, I didn't know too many other Christian farmers. We were down in Cornwall uh, as when we were farming um, most recently uh, for, for the most, most part of my career. And I think it was a case of just whenever I could, letting people know I was a Christian. And off the back of that, hoping for opportunities to chat to people and to share my faith. Um, 
interestingly, on the phone, I mean, we had a number of staff with some of them. I found it easier to talk to about Jesus in another way. It's quite hard when you're the boss to sort of, you don't want to feel like people have to listen to you because you're the boss. So um, I used to find that actually quite a struggle. And I would understand that if people are trying to talk to employees. But it's just, I think the attitude is, is the important thing in the workplace of wanting to share your faith and and then being aware of opportunities around you. Of course, once you're labelled as a pastor of a church, then um, you get those opportunities more readily and more easily, and people uh, are expecting you to chat about that sort of thing. Hmm. I mean, this is a this is an area, this is a community that, that most of us don't often think about. I mean, I'm from a, a farming uh, background community. Well, background, I use that term loosely, from a farming community, let's just say. And... Um, we don't often think about these kind of communities. What what do you think it what are some of the challenges that you faced in in reaching the farming community? What's that what's that looked like? How have people responded and what were some of the unique challenges? It is surprising actually if you can start talking to farmers about faith, a lot of them have an inbuilt kind of realization that there's something more. So it's an interesting group of people that maybe almost daily they're seeing animals born they're seeing the wonder of creation around them uh, and often there is something stirring that they know there's something more than just this life um so you do find opportunities and you know i can remember talking to to farming friends off the back of just the wonder of creation uh, and the obvious fact to me at least that there was a designer behind it all because they they saw the miracles of this world um sort of play out before their eyes daily it's also a world where it is actually tough going and it can be very lonely uh, a lot of farmers struggle because of loneliness you can sometimes go virtually all day and not see another person if you happen to be doing certain jobs on a farm or maybe farming just by yourself and so Farmers are often quite glad to talk if you can get behind the sort of uh, the everything's okay, thanks kind of thing and get into life a bit more. Um, and it, it is often a struggle. It is hard work. You face a lot of problems. There's often financial difficulties. The long hours can put strains on relationships. So I think farmers actually are quite glad to have somebody to talk to from time to time if you can just yeah be used of god to be in the right place at the right time and of course around farming there's a huge amount of industry as well of all the people who sell to farmers support farmers and everything so you tend on a farm to always have people coming and going which again uh, does give opportunity to to get to know people build relationships and chat about faith Hmm. well from that um from that farming background, obviously you've now kind of moved on and uh, pastor of, of Plymouth Chapel uh, down there in uh, in Plymouth, Mark. Now, you know, obviously right now as we record this, you know, not not an easy time um, for pastors and for church leaders. You know, the, um, currently with the pandemic still happening, although churches are, are free to meet, many you know like yours are, are choosing not to at the moment does that mean like evangelism and reaching out has totally come to an end i know some churches have almost gone into sort of survival mode all they're thinking about is streaming the sunday morning service have you guys gone that route or have you really committed to going okay although we were we're limited we're still going to find ways to reach out and and if so how have you done that uh, in this season right now 
Yeah, so certainly we. Uh, I keep thinking to myself that there is something worse for, that people are facing than COVID, and and that's um, life and eternity without Christ. So people have far more at stake than just uh, dealing with with the, the risks of COVID. So determined to keep going, to keep trying to share faith. Um, but we've had to, had to change. I mean, church basically is for me was about small groups of people a lot of the time, whether it was youth groups or men's groups or um, Christian unions in schools, that kind of thing. And all of that has virtually stopped. So um, we've had to find new ways of reaching out. Um, I've learned since last March an awful lot about uh, Facebook and editing like an awful lot of pastors have, uh, getting videos out into the virtual world, both to keep our congregation in touch and being able to live stream our services, but also to be able to push some evangelistic material out um, to really just get people thinking about Christ. I realized fairly soon that people don't listen on Facebook for very long. Uh, you know, people just flick past videos and things. So been trying to make some fairly short videos just with a question to get people thinking and have been trying to send them out. And it is difficult in a sense because you can't see your congregation. You don't know who's listening, but occasionally you get stories back of people that um, have heard or taken it in or liked the video and you realize that, yeah, there are people out there listening and hopefully thinking about faith. Mm. So that's been that's been one um, opening we've had. It's been the online thing that we've gone for and with many mistakes along the way, but we've kept plugging away and hopefully getting better at it technically and in what we do. Mm. That's such a great medium, isn't it, of communication, particularly with um, what you're sharing on those videos that you can just <laughs> enter into people's homes and their living rooms. What kind of questions were you asking in those videos? And um, what kind of questions have you found that people have had in your community during this lockdown and, and pandemic? I I think I've tried to touch on things that think people will be thinking about. So um, I've done some on things like suffering and why things like this happen. Um, we've talked a bit about prayer, and um, I'm just about now to try and, and do a new series just picking up on the fact that people are praying. And uh, we know sort of statistically that people still pray, even if they're not sure always who to or what they expect to happen. So try and, try and pick up on things that people might just be touching on in their own thinking. Um, I've tried to do some along the lines of the big questions of life, uh, thinking again about questions like creation, is there a God and worldviews? Again, just trying to encourage people to get thinking um, about their faith or lack of it or where they stand, what they believe and why. So I guess things I've learned from from folks such as your good selves about just putting the logic of, of, of Christian faith and why we believe what we do and pushing that out there. So, yeah, that, that was the first part of your, your question, Christy, um, in what I've been asking. You're going to have to remind me now what the second part was. Oh, no, they're great. Yeah, just wondering. I think you already answered it. We we're just wondering what kind of questions were, were coming up from the community. But of course, it sounds like suffering and, and evil. How can how can there be a good God? Uh, where is meaning and hope in this mess? It sounds like they're quite common questions for everybody at the moment. I think so. I think there is 
a spiritual interest, isn't there? And um, it, it is surprising. I, I found this in sort of my five years as a pastor in particular. When you get chatting to people, a lot of people have thought a bit about faith. And a lot of people haven't written it off altogether. And if you can just get in there alongside and start to show the reason for what we believe and why we've got this hope, um, there is openness. And I think that might be even more so during these strange and, and difficult times. One of the things I um, I also like as, as well, Mark, about your short videos, and people will not be able to appreciate this listening to the, the podcast. They need to go, and hopefully this stuff is on online that you've you've done. I like the fact you've used your uh, your local area. I remember you sending me one of the videos where you were talking about one of these big questions while uh, up to your waist in the, in the waters of the English Channel. <laughs> I thought it was... Was uh was quite amusing. We we don't generally film videos like that here in Scotland because we just get uh we just end up with hypothermia. Yeah. Um, for those of you in the south, I was pleased to see that. Um, Mark, you were also saying I think before the before we we hit record and also talking about the ways that the the church is reaching out. You were telling me that one of the other things that the um the chapel's doing right now, of course, is you know COVID has really put pressures on particularly perhaps low income families and families who are really yeah. struggling just to make ends meet and you were talking about a project that the church is involved in to really use that as a as a way of, of serving some of those local needs and then building bridges over which you'd have gospel conversations what um what is it you were you're doing precisely okay so yeah i'm excited about this it has been it's felt like real frontline stuff and, and meeting people in the midst of all of this uh so there's a project that runs in plymouth called feast of fun a charity called transforming plymouth together uh, and they are in Plymouth really to try and help the huge um, inequality financially across the city and to address some of those needs. And they've been running in Plymouth for a year or two. Uh, sort of, It's like a Bible holiday club held in churches, churches working together. But part of it is providing a good meal for children. Uh, and in particular, linking with schools to say, if you've got vulnerable families, you know, invite them, send the kids along. And during the holidays, you can know they've had a good meal. So that was the, the background of it. This year, of course, that hasn't been possible in that format. So instead, what's grown into a rather large project, about 300 families are being supported uh, across Plymouth with um, food parcels being taken to them. Um, and it was going to be during the holidays when they're not getting the free school meals. But because of lockdown and everything, that's even grown beyond that. So in Plimstock, where I live, uh, we've got four churches currently working together. We started in July um, collecting um, huge amounts of food, packaging it up and shipping it out to people that are vulnerable. It feels like we're hitting the right people because these schools family workers are in constant contact with us so um, families if, if dad loses his job or mum loses her job through COVID you don't have to wait weeks for sort of the system to kick in they can just ring us and with you know with the family's permission let us contact them and we can be there and offer some help and and what's been really great it isn't just that you're getting food to people and they know that it's the church doing it which is good you know in itself but also that I've really started to build relationships with the families I deliver to. Uh, and so you start to talk about, you know, how the kids are doing through this and, and what's going on in their lives. And out of that, then, you know, you start to say, well, can I, can I just hear on the doorstep? Can I just pray with you for a moment? 
and I just want to pray for your little daughter that's struggling or whatever it might be. And um, and people are, you know, some are a bit surprised, but they all say yes. And and so you start to pray, or maybe if it seems more appropriate, just say, well, I'll, I'll tell the other two, two or three leaders, and we'll be praying for you this month while you go through this thing. And and, and people have warmed to that. And and now that you know, we phone a bit in between as well and see how people are doing. And wonderfully last week um one of the mums that i've got to know a bit just said um is your church open at the moment and i said well no we can't uh, at present and she said because i'm i'm thinking of turning to church my mum did a few years ago and i've been thinking about it and you know my heart leapt because i have out of all this groundwork of being there showing god's love um carrying heaps and heaps of food around suddenly we've got people asking about faith and about christ and uh, yeah, so it's very exciting to me to be right out there in the midst of all of this, um, near to people, learning about their lives and trying to show the love of Christ. What a marvellous initiative. And thank you so much for sharing that with us, Mark. Um, I was just wondering, how if someone's listening to this and part of a local church, maybe leading a local church, and they're thinking, this just sounds brilliant. How on earth, though, do I set up a um, a link with local schools in the area? And it sounds like a really huge initiative it probably involves a lot of people money what did it look like for you to kind of go from um establishing those contacts all the way right through to those doorstop doorstep <laughs> conversation yeah. we we probably had a bit of a leg up because um the charity i mentioned transforming plymouth together handle the actual food uh sort of side of it in getting hold of the food our job as local churches is to move it around and uh, pack up parcels and get them out to people. Um, so I would suggest that maybe locally have a look at what else is going on. Um, a, a big charity called Fair Share is involved in in shipping food down to us. I think it comes from Bristol and into a warehouse. So it's quite it's on quite a scale and it goes out and supports um, food banks and things as well. So there's quite a lot going on in the city, I expect. A lot of cities have something, a lot of towns have something going on, and it'd be worth finding out about. But the other lovely thing about it is that we've done it as a group of local churches, and it again, serving together um, has continued to build what was already good relationships between uh, local churches, but they've deepened and grown even more as we've served together in this. So it's lovely to show the united sort of um, base of church to the local community that way. But I, I would suggest in answer to your question, find out what's going on already and there's probably something and there may be opportunities off the back of that. And um, and I would definitely suggest working together with other churches to provide volunteers on premises and things. Some great, um, some great advice in there. Um, Mark, we're almost coming to the, uh, the end of the end of the show. 20 minutes goes really fast, but I guess one last uh, question uh, I would uh, I would have for you is um, obviously you know some of these uh, ways of reaching out and engaging you folks have developed during during the pandemic during the lockdown when things are restricted hopefully God willing we're looking at a, you know within a fairly short time we're going to slowly start coming out of this and in a few months time be right out of this are there things that you've learned in terms of reaching out during the pandemic and during lockdown restrictions that you think will actually carry over when life returns a bit more to quote unquote normal, are there sort of ways of reaching out and engaging the community that actually are, are timeless and not just uh, for this season? 
Yeah, well, I think both of the things we've talked about, both the online presence and, and Zoom probably to some extent, um, for at least those who aren't sick of it, uh, will continue to be ways that we can reach. And, you know, things like house groups that maybe people that had childcare couldn't come to before and now can attend. So we're, we're going to try and keep that kind of thing going. I'm sure the need for, you know, the food and the vulnerable family support will continue. But th there's other good things that have come out of it. I think there's there's some people that I've got to know a lot better and deeper through this, um, both, you know, through little Zoom groups that have happened and just phoning some of the um the older folks in our church who maybe haven't got internet access and things uh, and just spending more time with people building those those friendships so i i think there are other lessons that we've learned and good a lot of good is going to come out of this that will continue into the future Mark, thank you so much um, for your time this afternoon. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. We've gone from farming um, to feasting. There's so many suggestions there and just real nuggets of gold for us to continue to enjoy and perhaps put into practice for ourselves. As ever in these 20 minutes, it's just flown by and there's so much more that we'd love to have asked you about. But thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for joining us on Pep Talk. Well, it's been a pleasure. I'm not sure how much my experience helps people. I feel like I'm only just learning all of this stuff myself. But I guess that's how we learn, isn't it? Sharing together where we're at and the mistakes we make and the like. But it's been a joy to be with you both uh, today. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Oh, it's a real pleasure. And we're all, we're all just learners continuing to, to grow in our love and understanding of the Lord. So thank you so much for helping us in that. Well, this is, brings us to the end of another episode of Pep Talk. Um, Andy and I look forward to joining you again in two weeks' time when we'll have another brilliant guest lined up for us. But until then, see you soon. Thank you for listening. Bye.